The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. We're going to get right into the Word this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Finish Strong that we kicked off just a couple of weeks ago. Last week I talked about evaluation, and if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and watch that on the website or listen to it, because we all need to grow if we want to finish strong, whether it's in life or whether it's in 2017, in evaluation, because we need to learn how to grow in actually seeing the areas where maybe blind spots for us that we need to actually grow in. God may be trying to show us something. This week, if you're a note taker, I want you to write down this title, It Is finished. Most of the time we don't think about those words, it is finished around this time of year because those are the words that Jesus uttered as he was hanging on the cross as he was dying for the sins of the world. We think about baby Jesus being born in a manger and we're thinking more about the beginning of Christ's life, not necessarily the end of Christ's life, but yet the end of his life That was the reason that his life began and why he came and lived this life was so he could say that it is finished. And as we think about finishing strong, we want to look at exactly what our purpose is and what God has put in us to do, whether we're looking at 2017 and planning for 2018 and perhaps there's some things that we want to grow in or whether it's our legacy, our life and our purpose and really why God has put us here on this earth. So I want to really kick this off with this question for us to just kind of marinate on and think about. Why do you follow Jesus? Now, I know that there's some really simple responses that we want to give, and maybe even some rehearsed responses that we want to give, or things we know we should say when we're asked that question. And I want us to kind of just slow down for a minute instead of trying to bypass this question or just answer it and, all right, let's move on. I've answered that question why I follow Jesus, and I want us to think about it. Why do we follow Jesus? Some people follow Jesus because Jesus has become a tradition to them. It's something that they're not really sure why necessarily I'm involved in the things I'm involved in that are centered around Christ, but it's just kind of what we've always done in our family. It's more of a tradition. We go to church on Sunday or we say a prayer at mealtime, and it's more based on tradition and why really hasn't been explored all that much. Maybe the answer for some some of you to why you follow Jesus is because I'm supposed to or because that's the right thing to do, I guess, because someone told me it was the right thing to do or because the Bible says so. Those are often answers that people would give to why they follow Jesus if it's strictly a traditions-based thing and they have lost the sense of why. They've really missed out on a big portion of really why they follow Christ. Some people follow Jesus because they want to go to heaven instead of hell. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some good truth to that. But at the same time, what in between? What in between the life we're living now and our last day on this earth. Why do we follow Jesus? Are we just supposed to kind of like wait, like we're in this waiting room called earth and we're just kind of lounging around, you know, just kicking it back, taking it easy, and then one day we're going to be in heaven if we have accepted Christ and received his forgiveness? Is is that the purpose of life? Is that why we follow Jesus? Others follow Jesus because they believe that following Jesus 
will help enhance their experience here on earth. And they're pretty dissatisfied with their life and their experience here on earth, and they think Jesus will enhance their lives. So therefore, they kind of view Jesus as more of a self-help guru, or they view Jesus as someone to help me to make my life experience here on this earth better. Now, in each one of those, whether it's tradition, whether it's an eternal perspective, or whether it's some sort of betterment of our life here, all of those have elements of truth in them, and they all have good things to them. There are some good things about tradition. There are, of course, good benefits to following Christ because of our eternal status, and of course, following Christ will help us to actually grow in this experience that we have here on this earth by truly having joy and peace on this earth in the middle of trials and turmoil. And we can see that there are promises that when we follow Christ that there are blessings attached to those things. So all those things in part are true. But why do we follow Jesus? What is the reason that we've really decided to lay our lives down to follow Him? And that's the question that I want us to really explore today. So if you have your Bible, go over to John chapter 19. We're going to look at the Gospel of John in chapter 19, and this is at the end of Christ's life as he is hanging on the cross as the payment for the punishment of sin for all of mankind. John 19, let's start looking at the scripture in verse 28. John 19 and 28. After this, knowing that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, if you look at that phrase, it is finished, in the original Greek in which it was written in, that word is tetelestai. And in Greek, this is the same one singular word that would have been used when a jailer would have released a prisoner from prison. He would have said, listen, your term is finished. Your sentencing is finished. You can now go free. You're done paying for what you had to pay for, uh, your dues to society or whatever the case may be. It's done. You're finished. You can now go free. And that that was the word that John wrote that Jesus had said, and that's how it's translated to us today. So when he said it's finished, he's saying, listen, you're free. So for Christ, lay, uh, hanging on the cross, saying it is finished for you and I, is saying it has begun. There's a newness that has now started. There's a new freedom for you to experience. There's a new life for you to experience that you couldn't experience before because previously you were held captive by your own sins and by your own desires. You were previously held captive to the sin that ultimately leads to death, but it's finished. Now you can now have that new life in Christ. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Scripture says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, when we see this new has come, it's this new purpose, this new life separated from our previous sinful-driven motivation. A new life in Christ 
because of Christ, a new meaning to why we do what we do. And for us to finish this year strong, for us to finish our lives strong, we have to discover for ourselves the answer to the question of why we follow Jesus. For us to finish strong, we, like Jesus, have to live life on purpose, for a purpose greater than ourselves. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus makes us alive to purpose. Following Him makes us alive to this sense of purpose. It changes the trajectory of our lives. It changes the focus of our lives when we commit our lives to following Jesus. Jesus has made us alive. But because of sin, before Christ, we were dead. And I know you had breath in your body before you became a follower of Jesus. I know you could breathe before you became a follower of Jesus. But when we look in Scripture, and Scripture talks about death and being separated from God, it really means that we were disconnected from the true source of life, God. We were disconnected because of our sin. But Jesus has come and made all things new. But when all things have been made new, that means now my purpose has been made new because I'm bought with a price. I'm now not my own. I've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. So therefore, my life is not mine to get to make whatever calls I want to make. I have to submit myself to the authority of the one who has purchased me with his precious blood, the one who has forgiven me, the one who has given me life. And when I submit myself to that and I live for him in that way, that's where we get Romans 12 and 1, where we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. It becomes a lifestyle, not just a Sunday thing. It becomes a passion and it becomes a purpose. And Jesus makes us alive to that type of purpose. And that is why we have to understand why we follow Jesus. If you go out into the streets and you ask a hundred different people what is the purpose of life, you're probably going to get a hundred different answers. Because people may say things like, the purpose of life is just to love one another, treat one another nice. The purpose of life is to continue your legacy, pass your legacy on to the next generation. Some people may say the purpose of the life is to you know, amass success and to you know, uh, bring security to your family and to uh, the generations to follow. All different kinds of people have these different ideas of what purpose that they have been created. Mankind has been asking that question forever. They've been saying, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? And they have all kinds of different ideas. But only Christ truly gives us actual purpose that is actually worth following and living out. Only Christ does that. Only Christ makes us alive to that. Because now we're not in the driver's seat anymore. Because we belong to Him. Before, we thought we were in the driver's seat and we liked making our own decisions. We liked doing things our own way. And guess what? The Bible says that the wages of that or the result of that, that sinful living, that sinful selfish living is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it changes my trajectory. It changes my purpose. It changes my focus because now Christ has made me alive to something that previously it was all about me. Previously it was all about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go in life, how I wanted to live. And now Jesus has given me a purpose greater than my own selfish motivation. But am I going to live that? Am I going to actually recognize that? Am I going to submit to that? That's where we have to answer the question, why do we follow Jesus? So many people get caught up in what? 
They get caught up in what I'm going to do. They get caught up in what do I need to do to be a Christian? What do I need to do to follow him? What do I need to do in order to be considered a good Christian person? That was the same question that the rich young ruler asked Jesus. What do I need to do in order to follow you? Wrong question. It's not what do I need to do. It's why should I follow him? It's the why question of that he's worth it, of that now all of a sudden I see value in Christ that I didn't see in anything else in this life. And when he asked Jesus the question of what do I need to do, what did Jesus tell the rich young ruler? He told him to sell everything that he had, give it to the poor, and to take up his cross and come follow him. Why did Jesus tell him? Did Jesus want him to just be benevolent? Was that the purpose of that command in order to follow him? No. Jesus was after the guy's heart. That's all he wanted was for him to have a why that was bigger than anything else that he had attached his heart to. But he had attached his heart to stuff so much that the Bible said he walked away sad because he couldn't give it up. Because his why was his own stuff. He wanted to know, how can I balance my selfish living with following Jesus? And so many times we try to do the same thing. How can I balance my own selfishness with following Christ? And you can't. He walked away sad. And so many times people walk away sad. Or worse than walking away sad, they don't really even walk away sad. They walk away justifying and balancing their own, or trying to balance rather, their own selfishness with this idea of kind of partial abandonment to Christ. When Scripture clearly says in Romans 12 that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is our reasonable act or our spiritual act of worship because Jesus makes us alive to purpose. He gives us real purpose, something that the world can never give. Our purpose is to give glory to God and enjoy Him forever. That is our purpose in our lives is to now give God glory, not give me glory, not give me attention, not give me all the things that I necessarily am after, but instead live my life with a new focus of giving God glory and enjoying Him here on this earth and in eternity, that I can enjoy God here in this present age and time, and that I can enjoy Him for eternity because I believe He's worth it. We give glory to God through our lives by growing in sanctification. That's that process of God peeling back those layers of us becoming more Christ-like. That's those layers being shed of all of the junk that the enemy has had a hold on us and a grip on us for years. That's us laying those things down. And thank God for His mercy that He doesn't reveal to us all of the things all at once that we need to start changing and doing differently because we'd all be crushed and overwhelmed by the weight of that. I thank God for the kind of mercy that he doesn't say, all right, here's your list of things to change. Oh, snap, I can't do that. I would just give up on Christianity altogether if I was, had this big weight dumped on me of that. But no, Christ wants me to grow in the process of sanctification. So therefore, and you've noticed this throughout your own life, as you grow in sanctification, you become more aware to things you weren't aware of before. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize I, 
I was dealing with that. Or I didn't realize that was the root issue of that behavior. Or I didn't realize that the reason I was struggling with this was because of that. And as you get older and as you grow in the process of sanctification, you can look back from the vantage point of God's grace taking you step by step by step by step, weeding things out and working things out of you that were once controlling you, that you were a slave to, and you're like, wow, man, I sure wish I knew now what I knew back then. But it if I would have known all the things back then, I probably wouldn't have been as successful in growing in the process of sanctification because I would have tried to do it my own strength. But now I'm doing it with the help of the Lord step by step. And the more that He does these things in us and He begins to help us to grow in more awareness of being more Christ-like and free to these things, the more it gives God glory. Because it's not us or our ability, but rather it's Christ shining through us. And people begin to see Jesus and not how great or sharp or awesome that we are. But that's one of the ways that we can live our lives on purpose to give God glory. We give God glory through committing our life's purpose to bringing attention to Him. We glorify God by living our lives to impact eternity, by showing other people who Jesus is. And when Jesus said, it is finished, that means, listen, it's time for us to get to work. That means it's time for us to start being the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth, to get busy with a fresh passion and purpose to live our lives for making an eternal impact for the glory of God. Go ahead and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes to Timothy here towards the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he gives him some words of encouragement, words of warning, and he lets him know the types of things that are going to continue to come even as he tries to minister, as he tries to minister the gospel to the people that he's called to. 2 Timothy chapter 4, read in verse 1. Paul says this, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're going to turn away from listening to the truth, and they're going to wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who has loved his appearing. He's saying, Timothy, listen, there's going to come a time where people are only going to be seeking after those that are saying what makes them feel good, what they're looking for. They're going to actually seek these people out. They're not going to stand for or tolerate sound teaching, sound doctrine. They're going to be looking for the, the types of teachers that are going to uh, tell them that they're okay and that there's no need to grow or that there's nothing challenging or there's nothing confrontational. And, and they're going to actually seek out this stuff and it's going to make them feel better about themselves instead of having to be confronted with the truth. He said, Timothy, when that begins to happen and you begin to see that really grow, Here's your position in the deal. Here's your response to that. Be patient. Keep teaching the Word. 
keep preaching sound doctrine, keep doing these things. Matter of fact, he said, some people may even persecute you as a result of your stance. Some people may not like that you're holding fast to the truth. Some people may not like that you know, you're not teaching the things that they think you should be teaching. Instead of you changing to please them, stand and endure that. He said, endure that suffering. God's going to give you the grace to endure that suffering, but you need to stand for the truth and stand for what's right. But be patient. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep teaching that. And then Paul goes on to say, I'm at the end, and I realize it, and I have poured myself out like a drink offering. I'm being poured out. I've, I've finished this deal. I know I'm coming to the end of my race, and I know that I want to be in a position where I'm finishing strong, so I want to tell you the things that are so important for you to remember, and I need you to get this because I want you to continue to live your life on purpose, with purpose. Man, Paul also said something in Corinthians. He told the church in Corinth, he told them that he will gladly spend and be spent for their souls, even though the more I love you, the less I'm loved. He said, I'm going to pour myself out like this drink offering. I'm going to spend and be spent. Why? Because Jesus has become his why. Because he's found purpose greater than himself. Because he's found something that he believes is worth sharing. He believes he's found a message and a truth that is worth sharing with everyone. And he's going to spend the rest of his life making sure that that gets shared. No matter what happens. And he told Timothy, listen, there's going to be people who are going to be chasing after the approval of others. And that's what they're going to be serving. That's what they're going to be worshiping. They're not going to stand for the truth because they'd rather get the pat on the back. And they'd rather be accepted by everyone rather than standing and speaking the truth that it's truly Jesus is the only way. Preaching the true message of the gospel and standing for the truth of scripture. He said, listen, man, make sure you keep pouring yourself out because I've done this. I'm trying to set an example for you and I'm finishing the race knowing that I've spent myself for the souls of other people because I believe there's value in that message. You see, church, the, we have to believe this at our core that we have a message that everyone needs to hear, see, and experience. Do you believe that? That we have a message that everyone needs to hear, see, and experience? Surely this message is not reserved for those of us who live in Sheboygan County or, or live in Wisconsin, right? Surely it's not about our four and no more, right? Surely we believe that this message is something that everyone needs to hear, everyone needs to see, everyone needs to experience. And Paul warned Timothy that there's going to be a lot of false teachers out there. Someone needs to teach what is real and someone needs to live it out. So people can actually see it in practice so they can experience the love and truth of Jesus. In other words, someone needs to get a hold of this message of loving God and loving people and serving the world. Someone needs to be real. Someone needs to be authentic. Someone needs to be transparent. Someone needs to grow and allow Jesus to shine through them more than on Sunday. He said, listen, we've got to live this thing out. We've got to pour ourselves out as that living sacrifice. And the reason we do this is because we believe that the message of the gospel, this message that we have, we believe it's so valuable, everyone needs to hear it. Everyone needs to see it in action. And everyone needs to experience that love of God. We believe that. And if we believe that, that should give our lives a greater purpose than just coming into church and punching in and punching out. It should give our lives a greater sense of purpose than just going through the motions that we actually are selling out to the cause of Christ, that we're actually abandoning 
the selfish, driven, focused life that we had previously lived, that we're dying to self, and we're taking up our cross and we're following Jesus because we believe Jesus is worth it. We believe He's worth it. You know, anyone can say nowadays that they're a Christian. It's kind of a popular thing, actually, to say you're a Christian in some circles. I mean, every, it seems like every athlete, every politician that wants to get a vote, seems like every, every celebrity that's, that's uh, accepting some you know, award or some music artist accepting an award, they thank God. And you go, oh, wow, they're thanking God. They must be a Christian. Anyone can throw that term around. And when you say Christian in our day and time, that's a broad definition, isn't it? Man, it's so broad. You don't know well, what kind of Christian are you. You know, are you the kind that believes the Bible? Or are you the kind that, you know, just kind of thinks, you know, you got to love everybody, you got to just do whatever, go with the flow? I mean, what, what, what type of Christian are you? You fit in this category or that category? So we find it in our day and time very easy to say that you're a Christian with little thought of fallout or persecution because it's kind of in most circles, not all circles, but in most circles, it's kind of an accepted thing to throw out and, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, me too. And, and we'll put you know, a little Jesus fish on our business card and hope that people come do business with us. But does that mean that we're really followers of Christ? Does that mean that we're living life on purpose? Does that mean that we're really sold out to Christ? Or does it mean we're just slapping a label on something because it's accepted? in certain circles, because you see, in Jesus' day and time, after He had left this earth and the church began to grow and thrive and flourish, it was not an easy thing to say you were a Christian, because if you said you were a Christian back in those days when the church first began, that could cost you your life. You want to know why it would cost you your life? Because the, living it out actually meant something a lot weightier. When you said you were a follower of Christ, there was expectation attached to that. As a matter of fact, there was one part in the book of Acts where there was a, a man named Jason who had brought people into his home and he was sharing the gospel with them. And the people in the town heard that Jason was coming there and they said, oh no, those people who have turned the world upside down have come here also. There was weight and meaning attached to Christian. It wasn't just, oh, I want to thank God for this award and thank my producer and oh, I want to thank you know, my mom and my dad. No, it was something that meant something that was a lot weightier than just throwing it around or wearing a t-shirt you'd go casually buy at the local Christian gift shop or a, you know, a what would Jesus do robe. I don't know what they would buy back then. But you wouldn't just casually go and wear something like that because there was a great cost, because there was a weight attached to what it actually meant. It meant change. It meant abandonment. It meant these people were hardcore, willing to give their lives for this thing. And many of them did. Because it wasn't easy necessarily to call yourself a Christian in those days. But man, it sure seemed a lot easier to follow Christ because you knew what it meant. And today it just seems like we have lost this idea of what following Jesus means because it's more of a convenience Christianity. It's more of an easy thing that we just kind of go through the motions and do our thing. And we just hope that, you know, maybe someone will see my little light shining. Or we make excuses for the things in our lives that don't need to be in our lives because we want to try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and one foot in relationship with Christ. And we don't really want to sell out to this thing. Man, that would have been foreign to the people in the book of Acts. That would have been foreign to the people in the book of Acts. They were all or nothing, man. 
They were hardcore selling out to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus gave them purpose because they could answer the one question that I'm wanting us to answer today. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? If we want to finish our lives strong, like the Apostle Paul said, as I have run the race, I I know I'm finishing this thing. I'm pouring myself out. I've been spent for the souls of people, even if they didn't like what I had to say. I I still, out of love and conviction of their eternity and mind and, and of them being renewed and reconciled to God, my passion and my life was spent trying to show people, trying to help them to hear, help them experience that love and truth of God in action. You see, that's the type of life lived on purpose that's going to finish strong. So I want to ask you this question. What what difference will you following Jesus have made in your life? What difference does following Jesus make in your life and those who God has so graciously blessed you with influence in their own lives? Whether you have influence in your spouse's life, your children's life, your co-workers, your family, whether it's influence that he's given you through different open doors or whatever platform he's given you, what difference will your life lived for Christ have made on the people that God has so graciously given you influence with? What, what difference will your life, having been lived for Christ, make in those people's lives? What difference has it made in your life? Do you believe that the difference that it has made in your life has the value and the merit to want to share it with other people? We have no problem feeling that there's value and merit to certain things we experience that we want to share with those people we have influence with. Just let a new restaurant come open in town. We'll go and be the biggest heralds for it if it's a good place to eat. We'll tell everyone within our sphere of influence, whether that's our friends on Facebook, whether that's our close friends at work, whether that's our family members. Oh, I went to this little hole-in-the-wall place. It just started. It's a mom-and-pop place. Nobody knows about it. Oh, my gosh, it's the best this. It's the best that. you got to go there. You want to go there tomorrow? I could eat there every day. It's so great. And we'll talk about it with this enthusiasm and this passion, and we'll go evangelize for this little restaurant. Let a new movie come out that we get really excited about. And that movie, we get really jazzed about it, and we want to tell all of our friends, oh, you got to go watch this movie. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, it's so great. you got to go see it. And we have no problem sharing that with our friends because we found something we believe is worth their time, and we want them to experience it because we enjoyed our experience so much. We believe there was so much value in the experience that it's worth sharing with other people so they can experience it too. Think about the degree that we will go to and the length that we'll go to to educate ourselves on things that have no eternal bearing or eternal value. All of the different stat lines that we memorize for our favorite football teams and favorite players that we'll sit around and we're going to make our projections. Do we think that Coach McCarthy is making a good decision by putting the Rodgers back in? We don't know. Let's talk about it. Well, I think that this and this is a good reason. I think that this and that's a good reason. I mean, all these things, and we'll have these intelligent discussions based on all these facts and figures and and analytics 
that we have just spent hours amassing all this information and we'll share. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things, sharing those with other people and being excited about it. But does our enthusiasm for Christ even match the enthusiasm we have for those things? Does our enthusiasm and passion and focus to want to share with other people those things match? Does it match our enthusiasm for the gospel? Does it match our enthusiasm for Christ? Does it match our passion? It should actually supersede our passion for those things. Nothing wrong with you being passionate about a sports team or a new restaurant or, or a, a great movie that may have come out that you want your friends and family to see. I'm not trying to belittle those things or put them down. Those things are fun to experience and it's great. But when was the last time we with passion shared our faith with someone? When's the last time with conviction that we understood why we followed Jesus and we believed that he was so worth following that we wanted other people to experience what we've experienced? When was the last time that we've invited someone to church to hear the message of truth? Maybe you didn't feel the confidence to share it yourself, but you knew the gospel was going to be preached at church and you, with enthusiasm, wanted to get that person to come because you believed that what you had heard the previous week was worth it. Why do we follow Jesus? Why do we follow Him? This is why the baby was born in a manger that we're going to celebrate this next week was to live His life, to die on the cross for your sin and my sin so we could be forgiven, so we could be free. It is finished. It's over. Now you're new in Christ Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are no longer your own. You were bought with a price. Now you belong to God and your life should be a living sacrifice lived holy and acceptable. Lived for Him. That's a different kind of passion. That's a different kind of hope and fresh start and focused purpose. So what are you going to do with that purpose? What are you going to do with that? What opportunities to serve Him and to to live your life for the glory of God? What opportunities are right in front of you that are every day? Some people get this idea that serving God and living for God has to be this big grandiose thing where there's this huge stage that we have to do something that's absolutely a a big uh, corner that is turned for humanity and we make our mark on mankind with this big thing that we've done and and they're going to be telling about it in all the history books for ages to come. And, And if we don't have that type of grandiose experience, then we're not really living out our purpose. We have this idea of this whole grandstanding thing with our purpose, and we miss out on the day-to-day stuff because we're always waiting for the big moment. Or we think that our purpose has to be some big, huge thing that draws a lot of attention. And it doesn't have to be that way. It could be in the everyday small things because God is putting opportunities in front of you every single day. Every day. And whether that would be praying with your kids, what an opportunity. Just to pray with your kids or pray with your spouse every day and begin to make that a part of your walk with God to where you know why you're following Jesus. That when you have that waiter or waitress that may be serving you subpar at the restaurant, instead of you being ugly and reacting out of your flesh, that you show them Christ and you love them and that you show them the kindness of the Lord in those moments because you don't know their story. When you're shopping and, you know, you're, because I'm sure everyone's Christmas shopping is done, 
But uh, when you're shopping, you know, this holiday season and you're going to the different crazy stores, if you're brave enough to get out on the weekend, trying to get those last minute deals and people are just frantic and they've totally are wandering around looking for that perfect gift and they're freaking out and everyone's on edge and, and, and people are, are just treating each other poorly, that you have an opportunity to share Christ. That at work, when you have that coworker that everyone talks about that no one wants to go hang out with, that you befriend that person and love them right where they're at and show them the love and truth of Christ in action. You see, it's not always a platform where you're going to be teaching. Maybe it is. But more often than not, it's going to be in the everyday, in the things that we consider just mundane, that there are opportunities all around us for us to live our life on purpose, with purpose, to share the truth of the gospel with other people, to educate ourselves in a way to where we can intelligently share the gospel with conviction. People say, well, I, won't, I, just, I just don't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to share the gospel with someone we'll learn and memorize so many pointless things in this life. Why would we not spend time investing in learning how to share our faith with someone? We're going to be doing a lot of that in 2018 here at Word of Grace. We're going to be investing in that. But you can invest in that on your own to grow and develop that confidence that you need because it's worth it, because you realize it's worth it. And you want to put yourself in a position to be able to share truth with people because you believe the truth you've received is worth it. You believe there's value to it. You believe this is important and everyone needs to see it. Everyone needs to hear it. Everyone needs to experience it. And you believe it's worth it. So you want to grow in Christ's likeness. You want to build that confidence. You want to build and invest into that passion because it's worth it. Because you know why you follow Jesus. And that's the question I want us to answer. Because when we say that our lives are finished... Will we be able to say that our purpose is finished? Will we, like the Apostle Paul, be able to say, I've poured myself out. I'm spent. I've given myself to this thing. I've forsaken a lot of things that I could have gotten wrapped up in and caught up in because the sake of Christ was more important than those things. And I've said no to a lot of temporal pleasures so I could say yes to making an impact in eternity because I know why I follow Jesus. We truly live our lives and accomplish the purpose God has given us when we can answer the question, why do we follow Jesus? Let's live intentionally and let's finish strong. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with our church family. And I pray that a passion would be stirred in each one of us to abandon ourselves to follow you. I pray that those who may have not heard a message like this before or, or in a long time, I pray that it would stoke the fires of passion on the inside of all of us and move us to action to where we live this thing out and we don't just accumulate more knowledge for the sake of accumulating knowledge but we actually live out the truth that you've already invested in us, Lord, and that we share, Lord, your truth and your love with the world that so desperately needs it. I pray, God, you help us to see our reason why, that you help us discover our why, that you help us, God, to see why we follow Jesus, regardless of 
what the answer to that question has been in the past, if it hasn't caused us to move with passion, if it hasn't caused us to move with abandonment, then help us to discover that why that will help that to be stoked in our hearts. That we can live our lives as a living sacrifice, Lord, for your kingdom come. And I thank you for that, Lord, so we can make an impact on eternity. And I thank you for doing that in every one of our hearts this Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we think about Jesus' life, as we think about his birth. I pray that all of the messaging that we're receiving about Christ throughout this season would only further stir our hearts to think about finishing strong because Christ was born to give us that opportunity to live our lives for the glory of God and to enjoy him forever. And we thank you for that opportunity, Lord. May today be a turning point, a shifting point in lives to where we begin to live with greater purpose and greater focus in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.